Welcome, friends, to another podcast from Setting Captives Free, and my wife Jody and I are going to share with you an important topic today, aren't we, Jody? We are, we are, and we are going to share it in light of the gospel, which is the best way to view any biblical truth is from the foot of the cross. That's exactly right, because truth devoid of the cross is actually powerless, isn't it? It is. We, we want to make sure that our truth is flowing from the cross of Christ. So what issue are we addressing today? Well, um, today we're di- addressing the issue of confession. Um, at Setting Captives Free, we every week we get a lot of letters uh, from people who want questions answered or they're confused about a specific biblical truth. Um, they don't understand it in light of the gospel. So they write and they ask us questions about it or they ask for input. Um, and we have a letter like that this week that we received from um, an individual who was wanting to know more about confession. Uh, the concept was misunderstood and misapplied. And But that really, when, when things are misunderstood and misapplied, it is an opportunity for the gospel to enlarge our hearts to bring understanding to our minds so that we don't do that anymore. Right. That's a good point. Yeah, the letter was, in essence, a confession. He used the passage in James chapter 5, verse 16. Let's just read that. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. And so he was writing to confess his sins Mm -hmm. to us. The problem is not as much in involving other people. Of course, we're just told to do that. We just saw that in James 5. The problem is in the discussion of the details. He was highly detailed in his confession, talking about sexual lust in very descriptive terms, Mm -hmm. uh, talking about all the the details of what he would do in private, of his his lustful thoughts and what they were and how he fantasized and what he fantasized about and and how long this has been going on and all. So in other words, he's just vomiting out all of this impurity, trying to remove it from his, his life. One of the things that I want to um, share about his confession is this statement. He says... Then later, in another church, around 2000, there was a preacher confessing that he had a problem with pornography and fantasizing about women and girls, and that he had the impression that he could have any woman he wanted. And listen to what he says about that preacher's confession. I don't know if that inspired me, but later, a a few weeks or months after, I had, and then he goes into his descriptive language again, about all the sins and fantasies and experiences that he was uh, going through in his mind and how it was tempting him. Do you see how this pastor, standing up in front of people and getting the details of his own sin out there, led this person to do the same thing. Right, it did. And so what we're what I'm understanding is that it isn't the confession that is wrong, it is the method of confession or there's a right and wrong way to confess. Is that what I'm understanding? Yes, that's exactly right. Uh, we don't ever want to confess the details. We don't want to 
um, bring people into the experience of this sin right. is what was really happening. Now, I, again, talking about the pastor who had, in essence, confessed all of his details of his lust. If you were to look at Hosea chapter 4, uh, God is bringing charges against the priests, against the leaders of God's people. And he says this, and what the priests do, the people also do. Mm. Now that's a, a highly important understanding for anyone who is a pastor, anyone who is leading God's people. Because what you're in essence saying as a pastor is this, I want you to do what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. I want you to follow me as I follow Christ. What you're saying is, what I'm doing in the dark which will become known, which will be shown clearly, this is what you're to do as well. Right. What the priests do, the people also do. And so for this pastor, now it's not just the problem that he confessed this publicly as he was preaching. The problem is that he was actually doing it. Right. Uh, And so leading other people, as we see from this man who wrote in with his confession, he was led astray. Now, question about that. What if the pastor was doing this in secret, but he didn't get up and say something like that in the pulpit? Would the people still be following him in what he does that's wrong? So here's a principle to understand. Whatever we do in secret becomes known. Um, Jesus talked about what you do in private will be made public. It will be shouted from the rooftops. Mm. So we cannot ever, ever hide sin. It will be exposed. It will be proclaimed. Even if you think about it in gospel terms, Jody, what Jesus did on the cross, that is from 12 to 3 p.m., the darkness came over the whole world. Mm -hmm. Jesus was transacting with God the Father. God was laying your sin on his own son. Jesus was uh, receiving not only our sins, but God's wrath poured out on him in order that we would be free from it. And Jesus is what the Old Testament says, treading the winepress alone. He's there in the darkness doing something that is saving the world. And then what happened? On the third day as he rose from the dead and later he was in the upper room and what happened? He showed his wounds to the disciples and said, peace be with you. What he did in the darkness was displayed in public. What you do in private, you display in public. Always. You cannot escape it. Pastors who sin in the dark are going to display it publicly, even if they're very careful to choose their words appropriately. They're still with their own spirit displaying what they've done privately. Well, don't you think that pastors who get up and confess things like this pastor did, his past um, or his struggle with lust, right? Don't you think he's trying to like identify with the people? Hey, I struggle with this. If you struggle with this, I'm approachable. Come to me. I'll, you know. That's probably true, and we can't judge the motives for what he did. All we're saying is 
that what is done privately is displayed publicly always. Now, there's a way to identify with people as you speak with them. Hey, I'm a human being. I struggle with issues in my life too. And we can address it like this. But remember what Paul told Timothy, which is that he talked about, you know, in a wealthy home, some utensils are made of gold and silver and some are made of wood and clay. The expensive utensils are used for special occasions and the cheap ones are for everyday use. If you keep yourself pure, you will be a special utensil for honorable use. Your life will be clean and you will be ready for the master to use you for every good work. Mm -hmm. So what he's saying here is that uh, the fact that we take time to wash at the cross and to fight against our sin, that we're cleansed from all unrighteousness as we as we wash at the cross and we live differently, we experience purity. That makes us usable mm-hmm. to the master. Remember Onesimus, when he ran away from Philemon, his master, he stole from him and ran away. And then he came right to Paul who gave him the gospel. Mm-hmm. And Paul was going to send him back to Philemon because he said these words to Philemon formerly, Onesimus was useless to you. Now he's useful both to you and to me. So what we're seeing here is while he was running away, while he was in sin, he was useless. Mm -hmm. Listen, if a pastor engages in sexual impurity in private, I'll promise you he's useless Mm -hmm. to the body of Christ. Now, this may not seem readily evident. It may not seem immediately to be true. Right. But because it's like a house where the termites are eating away at the foundation, it eventually crumbles. Right. That's what happens to anyone who engages in hidden and secret sin. All right. Well, so, okay. So there is a benefit to confessing our sins to one another. Yes. And there is a wrong way to do it, which right. is super detailed, very graphic, um, that puts images in our minds, mm-hmm. the person that you're confessing to. Right. right. So what is the right way? Then? So, right. That's a, yeah. that's a good, that's a good question. Um, and so we acknowledge, first of all, that confessing details to, to share what the imagination has come up with, the specifics of any sin is really not the right way to do it. People just want to vomit out this the sin from their heart, and they think they're getting rid of it as they dump it on on everybody else, but that's not really true. Um, and so they're actually reinforcing it, aren't they? Yes, that, yeah. that's a great, exactly right. So we're not wanting to expose the details of the sin, but rather simply say something like this: "I'm being tempted by lust. Could you please pray for me? Um, I want to use my shield of faith to extinguish." the fiery darts of Satan, and I need, I need prayer. Okay? That is a completely good way to, um, to do this. See, the reality is that in order to be free from Satan's power, um, we really need to begin confessing the truth of the gospel, mm. right? And so we want to uh, say something like, hey, I confess to you that, that Jesus has lived his life in my place. All right, so that when God looks at me, he sees his son. Um, I'm hereby declaring that Jesus has died as the Lamb of God and thereby took away all my sin. I confess that his blood made an atonement for me, that his death 
pardoned me completely, that his burial buried my sins, that his resurrection justified me before God. And so I'm confessing the truth that I am holy and blameless as I stand before God without a single fault. Mm, Yes. What we're really confessing is uh, that our sin has been removed, that we have been forgiven, that our debt is canceled, that we are new in Christ, that the old me that lived in bondage to lust died with Christ. I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live. So it's way more about confessing the truth of the gospel. And what happens, Jody, when we confess the details of our sin is that we are in essence, um, we're solidifying those experiences in our mind and our heart. It's almost like we're gluing them to our soul. Right. Right. Things you repeat get stuck in there. Yeah. You know, and the more you recount it, the more you remember it, the more you dwell on it, and then it's harder and harder to dislodge it. But when we focus on the gospel and we repeat the truth, the solution, the powerful cleansing blood of Jesus, when we recount that in our minds, it displaces Right? That's exactly right. In fact, it's interesting. This person wrote us back after he sent that huge, long di- you know, confession Original. of all the details. Yeah. He wrote us back and he said, I still don't feel cleansed. He said, I, I, don't, I don't feel like I'm being cleansed and I still have lustful thoughts and I'm confessing to you. Well, of course not. You've just recounted every single bad thought you ever had. Right. Uh, you've, you've just displayed it to the world. You have, you have thought about it yourself as you were writing it. You remembered the details of it and were careful to paint the picture so that you could see it again and again and again. You're gluing this to your, your mind. Right. You know, the details are fresh in your mind. Of course you're not cleansed. Right. And, and so there's a right way to confess which is to say, I am being tempted right now. Please pray for me, because remember James 5.16 says that we confess our sins one to another so that we can pray for each other. So the purpose is just to let you know I'm struggling and I'm, I'm having these difficulty controlling my thoughts And would you pray for me? Right. And we should pray the gospel for that person. Right. Hallelujah. So that they can have their mind cleansed and reoriented to the cross and away from sin. That's what the evil one does. It says that wine sparkles in the cup, right? Mm. And that's what the evil one does. He sort of, like like you would do with um, a baby, if you will. You shake a little rattle and they look at it and they Mm. smile and, oh, isn't that cute? And it's pretty. And they bat at it. And they really enjoy that engagement, right? Because they're babies and they like little shiny balls Mm. right well that is exactly what the evil one does with us right he shakes the pretty thing and he says oh look over here look over here not realizing that on the other side is Mm. a viper that is going to bite you and poison you and make you feel like death and we have to confess properly confess the gospel right Mm -hmm. say yes i'm struggling yes i have flesh there's no one in this world who does not have that. Mm-hmm. So, right, we, we, we all are in that boat together. So we confess that, yes, we have flesh. Yes, that flesh is weak. Yes, we are struggling. We ask someone to pray for us, someone who's spiritual, someone who knows the gospel mm-hmm. and who can say, yes, I will stand with you and I will remind you of 
how Jesus has cleansed us from our sins. Let me pray with you right now. And we pray the gospel over that person. Mm -hmm. And then they receive healing from the wounds of Jesus. They experience it anew. Yeah. Right? And then they're not reliving the death. They are reliving the life. Right, that that we get from the cross. Oh, that's beautiful. Hallelujah. That's exactly the solution. Because really, what we're doing in running to the cross is fighting. Yes. We're fighting our sin. There, there isn't any way to look Satan in the eye to see what he's dangling all the little shiny bubbles and the wine as it sparkles in the cup. Right. To look at that and to say to yourself, "I'm not going to do that." <laughs> because when I do that, it tastes really good, and it gratifies my flesh, and it feels really good, but I'm not going to do that. See, that's the wrong way to fight. All right. We come to the cross, and we use blood yes. to, fly, to fight. We use the blood of Jesus, and we remember that he made an atonement for us. He did. That he canceled our debt of sin, that he made us new in him, and we're testifying, in essence, that Jesus overcame our sin. Yes. And as we focus on the cross and the blood of Jesus, we experience the power of the Holy Spirit. Mm. And this is how to fight, not in the strength of your flesh, mm -hmm. but in the power of the Holy Spirit. That's why Jody Revelation twelve eleven says, and they have defeated him. Who's the him? The accuser of the brethren, mm -hmm. right? The one who accuses them day and night before God. They have defeated him by the blood of the lamb, not by their own efforts, right. not by their white knuckling strength saying, I'm not going to do that again. No, they defeat him by the blood of the lamb and by their testimony, yes. not by their confession, right. but by their testimony. Mm. Well, you notice here, don't you, that the testimony and the blood go hand in hand. So I'm testifying about what the blood of Jesus has done for me. Yes. And as I do that, I, f I overcome the evil one. Right? It's glorious. It really is. And this is the joy and the freedom that we want for our brothers and sisters in Christ. So we don't get up and confess our details of our sin. We don't invite them to confess the details of their sin. We spend much more time focusing on the details of the cross. Yes. Christ's death for our sins and his glorious resurrection, proving that the payment was accepted. And we live in that. Right. That's where we find the strength that we need. Amen that, to the blood exactly of the Lamb. Exactly right. Uh, you mentioned earlier about praying the gospel for people. I'm going to ask you just now to pray for this person that wrote in. Yeah. And, and let's pray the gospel for this person and then we'll close. Okay. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this opportunity to come to you knowing that you hear us because Jesus died on the cross for our sins and he made us righteous and made us presentable able to come into your throne room to say help us help us in our time of need and you do you are faithful you are the one who has the power to keep us not us by our efforts and our striving or our doing things this way or that way but by your power by your might and we look to you and say, thank you. Thank you, Jesus, for becoming sin on the cross. Thank you that you took this young man's sin upon you. You became his sin and died, put it to death. 
so that this man and all of us as well, we would be free from the power of that sin. We would have a way of escape from temptation. You have provided this through your death on the cross, and we glory in your cross. We thank you, Jesus. It cost you your very life. It was disfiguring. It was horrible. It was agonizing, the suffering you endured, all so that we could escape it. How good and kind and gracious and merciful and oh, so loving you are. And I pray right now for the healing of this man that wrote in. I pray that he would experience healing through your wounds, that he would look to the cross today and he would remember the work that you have finished so that he can be free. I pray that you would give him faith, faith to believe that he is clean, he is pure, he is sanctified, he is justified, he is holy in you, Jesus. And that you would show him how to grow in the grace and the knowledge of you, that he would grow up into you and away from sin, that the gospel would stabilize him and hold him fast. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.